After I got out of the pickup, which, by the way, was much smoother than getting in, I only had to swing my legs around, let them hang down above the running board, slide out till they touched, and then let gravity do the rest. I was out in a jiffy. In fact, I was on the ground waiting for Brenda when she came to take my arm to help me to the stairs and then up the three steps to the front door of our home. We were so excited to be back in Marysville. Everything looked great as we opened the door and stepped inside. Home again, home again, I thought. Just like we had only been gone for a few days. But it had been much more than a few days, and so many things had happened. But I was home, and all the water that had passed under the bridge while we were away was just that, raging rapids that were gone now. We were looking forward to the next bridge to help us get over the river we had to cross next. I thought that this next crossing couldn't possibly be as rough as the last one we had conquered. It wouldn't take long for us to find out that this next river crossing would be just as challenging as the last, if not more so. Eric got us settled in and brought all of our belongings into the house, He helped us put things away, making sure all of our needs were met before he headed back to his home in Provo. Kendall, our youngest son, came shortly after we had arrived. He was going to spend that first night with us and be with us until our youngest daughter, Whitney, could arrive the next morning. Whitney would then spend the next few days with us, making sure we could be trusted to be on our own. Even though I was so sure that I would be all right, I still knew that I was very weak and not able to do many of the things that I used to do. I had lost around 40 pounds during the past few months, and my muscle tone was practically non-existent. I had a lot of work to do before I was ready for surgery. The home therapist would be coming every other day or so to make sure I was working hard to get strong and see that any needs we might have would be met. That first night passed without any problems, and Kendall stayed with us until Whitney arrived the next day to take over. We were happy for him and glad that he could come and, and be with us, and and uh, he's he's always there to help us when we need him close by. But we were happy to see Whitney again, she and her and our young granddaughter Phoenix. It was so good to be back in our home and in our own bed for the first time in over two months. It was so wonderful to know that Brenda would be there with me all night and not have to go back to Eric's. If I needed anything, I wouldn't have to try to find that thing you call for help with that's always on the floor. I don't remember much about that second day. It must have been pretty normal. It had to be good, though, because we were home. However, I do remember the second night. It was early in the morning, maybe around five, and I had to go to the bathroom. I got out of bed and don't remember if I told Brenda that I was getting up or not, but I went into the bathroom and closed the door behind me. As I was getting ready to go back to the bedroom, I somehow lost my balance and fell just inside the door. I tried to catch myself, but only hit on the wall with my head and slid down the doorway to the floor, scraping my ear as in the side of my head as I was falling. It, it cut my right ear. I knew I was bleeding, and the blood was all over my face, head, and the floor. I cried out for Brenda to come and help me and knew without some help I could not get up. My core strength was not enough to be able to lift myself off the floor without some sort of stool or chair to hold on to and help me pull myself up. 
The space that I had fallen into was very narrow, and I could not get myself turned around enough to use the toilet to help me get to my feet. Brenda came quickly, and by this time Whitney had heard the commotion and had come running with Phoenix right behind her. By now Brenda and I had figured out that the door would not open with me on the floor blocking its pathway to the interior of the bathroom. I was basically in a pickle. I knew that I would have to find a way to get out of the way of the door to be able to be rescued. So I started wiggling my way backwards towards the tub and trying to get my head out of the way of the door. I got back as far as I could and skinny Whitney was able to squeeze through the small opening we had created. Whitney rubbed my back as I was struggling to get to my feet, telling me I'd be all right and that I could do this. Phoenix was upset, and I thought Brenda might have a stroke. Well, I got to my feet. The blood was not serious, just a small scratch on my ear that would take a while to heal, and a very hurt eagle. I learned from that experience that we all need to depend on each other. I won't make it through on my own, and neither will any of us. I've had a few falls since then and learned that I just need to be more careful and realize that I'm not in my 20s anymore. I'm not even in my 60s anymore. It's hard to get old, but you just have to adjust. One of the nights that first week at home, I thought of a song that was from the musical Ivan that a good friend and I put together years ago. The lyrics were written by Rodney Scott and the music by myself. It's a, it's a lullaby. Lester's lullaby, to be exact. It applies to me more than I ever thought it might those many years ago. It comforts me and makes me know that things will be okay. They just will. When darkness comes strolling with the blanket of the night The sun closes his weary eyes and turns out all the light The world all sleeps with him, they know that he'll be true When daytime comes again, nighttime goes and then life begins anew. Sleep well in the night time, lie still while you may. Sweet dreams be your company, tomorrow's a new day. Sleep now, don't you tremble in your bed so soft and Till sunshine comes dancing through your window at morn. Lie still and remember God is watching over you. Till daytime comes again, nighttime goes and then life begins anew. Sleep well in the night time, lie still while you may. Sweet dreams be your company, tomorrow's a new day. 
so the nights were much better at home than at Stonehenge. I still had problems from time to time, but being at home in my own bed brought my stress level way down. I continued to exercise and tried to keep busy doing a few things in the yard and in my wood shop, but my energy level was still not the best, and I was still very weak for some time, but things were better. I was home. I napped every afternoon. The doctor said I had to get plenty of rest. I tried to take in as much protein as, po- protein as possible. The doctor also said that the three main words in my vocabulary should be protein, protein, and protein. He also said uh, four or five weeks and I would be ready for surgery. He would be taking out that demon that had been lurking inside my body. I was told that the tumor had shrunk from about four inches to uh, one, and it should be practically falling out when the time came for removal. I was trying so hard to do everything just right. It had been five weeks since I had returned home, and the doctor had not called to make an appointment. I was getting very anxious and wanted to have it done very soon. So I called, and they said that the doctor wanted to wait for a couple more weeks to make sure I was ready. I wasn't too happy with that news, but thought that the doctor uh, knew what was best, and I would do what he thought was best. It was not very long after that, not two weeks, that I received a call from the surgery department at the LDS hospital for scheduling my appointment. I was supposed to have had some instruction on how to deal with the ileostomy bag I would be wearing for the next month and a half or so after surgery while my rectum was healing to avoid post-op infection. They would let me know what to expect and how to deal with it. It seems that the call for action came before we had had a chance to go back up to Provo or Salt Lake to take this class. They assured us that after the surgery, I would be instructed on the proper usage and care of this bag I was going to be carrying around for a couple of months. We let our kids know what was going on, and action was taken immediately to have Eric come and pick us up, take us to the hospital. If uh, all went well, he would make sure that we were safely in my room uh, for recovery and then go back to his home in Provo for four or five days Uh, that it would take to recover. Brenda would stay with me in my room until I was ready to go home. The nursing staff said she could stay there and sleep on a couch that folded into a bed. It wasn't the best of conditions, but I guess it wasn't terrible. I was told I would be in the hospital for about five days. The surgery went well after I finally had the IV properly inserted. Then The nurse who was administering this procedure had a very difficult time. She stuck me and stuck me and stuck me. I was getting pretty tired of the whole ordeal when she finally called on someone else to continue. This nurse only took one stick to get things going. I was then wheeled into the OR, and just like that, it was over for me. The next thing I remember was being wheeled on a gurney into my room. There was a song going through my head that my friend Rodney and I wrote years before called I see it out there. I could just see the green grass, the mountains and the valleys and the cities and the alleys and the green popsicles I see in cold. I see it out there just waiting cause somewhere the grass is still green as before. 
The mountains and valleys, great cities with alleys and flowers and children and more. And flowers and children and more. Where are the oceans, true love and emotions, green popsicles I see and cold. The wind in our faces and hugs and embraces, let me see them before I'm too old. Let me see them before I'm too old. Please take me to see them, I want to be with them, I feel like I'm living a lie. If love is in giving and life is worth living, I'll need much more time ere I die. I see it out there just waiting, cause somewhere the grass is still green as before. The mountains and valleys, great cities with alleys and flowers and children and more, and flowers and children and more. Where are the oceans, true love and emotions, green popsicles icy and cold? The wind in our faces and hugs and embraces, let me have them before I'm too old. Let me have them before I'm too old. Please take me to see them, I want to be with them, I feel like I'm living a lie. If love is in giving and life is worth living, I'll need much more time ere I die. Please give me more time ere I die. We never know how much time we have until we take our last breath. But at least mine didn't come on the operating table that day. I really felt like and still feel like I have much more to do in this life before that time comes for me. I just pray that God will continue to guide me and give me enough time to accomplish what He would have me do. Well, those next four or five days were spent resting and learning about what to expect in the next couple of months. One of the first things I noticed when I got into my room was a a bag attached to my stomach just above and a little to the right of my belly button. This is what I was going to have to learn to deal with for the next few weeks or even months. It was an ileostomy bag. My doctor told me that we should be able to get rid of the bag after my surgery had healed and there was no more chance of infection. It could be one or two months or even more. An ileostomy is an opening in the belly that's made during surgery. It's usually needed because of a problem that is causing the ileum not to work properly or a disease that's affecting that part of the colon and it needs to be removed. The end of the ileum, or the lowest part of the small intestine, is brought through this opening to form a stoma, usually on the lower right-hand side of the abdomen. An ileostomy may only be needed for a short time. 
maybe for three to six months, because that part of the colon needs time to rest and heal from a problem or disease or surgery due to cancer in the lower colon or rectum. Okay, now I'm going to tell you about the stoma. I did not know what a stoma was. I don't know how many of you know, but I had no clue. This is where we get really kind of personal about some of our body parts and talk about some of those things we feel a little uncomfortable with. But I had to learn to become comfortable talking about them, and I really hope this doesn't make you feel too uncomfortable. I don't think it will. When you look at your stoma, you are actually looking at the lining of your small intestine, which looks a lot like the inside lining of your cheek. The stoma will look pink to red. It's warm and moist and secretes small amounts of mucus. It will shrink shortly after the surgery. Its shape will be round to oval. Some stomas may stick out a little. Others are flat against the skin. Unlike the anus, the stoma has no valve or shut-off muscle. This means you won't be able to control stool passing from the stoma. There are no nerve endings in the stoma, so the stoma itself is not a source of pain or discomfort. I had to spend time learning how to care for and use this bag that was attached to the stoma. Not pleasant, but very necessary. My surgery incision, where the tumor had been removed, had to heal and could not have anything infecting it, thus the stoma and the bag. When it healed and there was no more chance of infection, the bag could be removed and the stoma pushed back into my tummy and things would go back to normal. This was called a reversal. I would have this done in six to eight weeks if all went well. That seemed like a long time, and it turns out it was a long time. I won't talk about that time right now. I'll save that for next episode. I will tell you it was a learning experience and a time I don't want to have to repeat. Chemo was bad. Radiation was bad. Rehab was hard. But this... This was a whole new ball game.